You're listening to the AG Lockhart Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Matt Burton. Good morning. God bless you. I want to say hello to everybody in the building. Hola a todos ustedes que están en la iglesia hoy. I want to say hello to everybody online. What's up online? Online. Sounds good. Man, do you appreciate the ministry of music in this place? On your front porch, in your bedroom, in the house of God? I'm so excited. I just, I, I just saw, I watched a movie when I was a kid, and it doesn't matter, but I was about 10, and this is the kind of movie that gets a 10-year-old boy fired up. There's a fight at a, probably at a bar in this movie, and the, the two homeboys and a few of their friends right here, and then everybody from the, these were the, like, not local guys, and then these were the local guys, and so it's all about to go down, right? So in the movie, it's all dramatic, and the, the main talker for this guy goes, uh, they got about six people with them. Over here, it's, I don't know. So he starts going, oh, it's like 30 to 6. Y'all better go get some more people. I was reminded of the movie just as an illustration. When This is how we fight our battles. We feel so outnumbered. But like David, the king of heaven's army is with us. He told Goliath, you're just Goliath. You're coming in the name of your eight feet tall, ten feet tall, big old sword. The God of heaven, I'm coming in his name. You better get some more people. I worked for a man. Uh, God, I, I didn't do much work for him. He just paid me to show up and make messes. But me and his son and another guy, we graduated, we worked for him. We'd go eat. He said, I'm going to pay for your food, but I ain't going to pay you all to eat it. So we did our lunch hour. We didn't get paid for But he was always giving us these words of wisdom from just an old guy cool guy. Oh, man, I miss him so much. He said, hey, boys, y'all ever get in a fight? Don't be doing all that dumb stuff they do at school. Well, I was just from school, and I knew a lot of dumb stuff, so I needed to be a little more specific. He said, don't go up to some big old dude and go, hit me first, man. Go on, hit me first. You know how guys do that, all my cheese mo and everything? Hit me first. He said, you hit them as hard as you can, and if it doesn't do nothing, you better start running. I want to encourage you in this battle you're fighting, quit standing there, seeing what the devil's going to do to you. Hit him in his mouth with the truth of the word of God, that God is for you and not against you. Quit taking his punches and see what he can do. But I also want to encourage you, spend your strength and your energy and the, 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 the passion that comes up in the fight. I'm feeling kind of good right now. Somebody better start praying right now. Lord, get him to his notes because you know how he is. I have three or four of you, just bow your head right now online, just reach your hand to the TV. All right. So what was I talking about? The guy that, that hit the guy, taught myself right out, made a good joke, and can't even remember what I was talking about. We are going out in the yard, fighting with our neighbors while the enemy's coming in the back door and robbing our house, laughing, because he's like, look at him fighting in the front yard, and we just took the TV and the refrigerator and the kid and the... What do you mean? We're fighting people. We're arguing our points. We're fighting our battles. We're exhausted. We're demoralized. We can't sleep. We're depressed. We're angry. We're, we're swinging in the air. We're fighting with this person or that person or this idea and that idea, and the whole time the enemy's 
laughing like a junior high kid bully that started a fight and then they got in trouble and he didn't. You know what I'm saying? Let's fight our battles humbly before the Lord in prayer and thanksgiving. And if we rise up to do anything, let's rise up against the spiritual things that are trying to punch on us. These are some good points that the devil better get some more people because God's on our side or better yet, we got on his side a while back. And we don't need to just be trading punches. We need to use the power that's available to us through the Holy Spirit. And we don't need to get confused and fight the wrong people. We're not fighting people. We're not fighting uh, where they stand on something. We're not fighting masks. We're not fighting races. We're not fighting political parties. We're fighting against the prince of the power of the air whose kingdom is running out of time. And God in majesty is coming and the countdown is ticking. And there's a victory And we're announcing it in the earth and believing it. We need to be swinging at the right thing. And we need to be swinging with power. And we need to be confident in our God. Who is like the Lord? There's somebody online right now. It's probably a mom. In your vision, it's probably some of us in this building right now, but I'm sure about this one mom. In your vision, it looks like you're surrounded. You can't even see a way out. And the Lord says, like the prophet, open your eyes and see through what's in front of you to the truth of God's word. There is a way out. His name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the tactic of the enemy is to demoralize us, to make us feel so overpowered that we don't even try to go forward. But I'm telling you online, there's some people in this building, there's some people that you know, they fought through that cloudy vision. It just looks like I'm surrounded. Why should I even try? And they fought through it and they came out on the other side. Anybody in here ever come out on the other side? You ever got your victory? They say it's darkest before the dawn. Every cloud has a silver lining. They try to say all these things about the truth of God that we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I'm just telling you, somebody that's watching, you need to just keep going and believe in God and don't stop. If you stop, that's the only way. What can separate us from the love of God. The Bible says there's nothing, no plan or scheme of man, no devil or demon, not even the angels. Nothing can take us out of his hand. You just don't want to go out of there by yourself. You don't want to just check out. Oh, my stay's over. I'm done. No, you want to stay with the Lord. I just want to encourage you. We, fight. we don't just sing a song because it sounds good. This is how we fight our battle. Did anybody feel like throwing some punches? I know some people from Luling in here. They were like, yeah, let's go, man. You know the guy, it gets a little rough at school, and he's just like, are we fighting? He's ready. Let's have some spiritual Christian believers of the Lord who's like, what? They sent a devil to my house? Where's he at? One evangelist said, I want to be the man that when I put my feet on the floor, when I get up in the morning, the enemy goes, he's up. I don't want to be rolling over like this. Let's try to sneak out of here before they see us. It's a different mentality. Not in our power, but by the power of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. I hope you're encouraged today. This is how we fight our battles. We cut the heads off of giants because our God is mighty to save. And if it goes down in the battle a little different than we thought it would, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Billy Graham said, They're gonna, you're going to hear about me one day that I'm dead. He goes, don't believe it for a minute. I just walked out of this door to the next one. The eternal life in heaven. Nobody's praying for me to get to my nose. I just can't even feel it. I want to read a verse to you today. I want to encourage you. 
And now three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And the greatest of these is love. If the Bible calls something great, we underline it, take notes, put our chips on that. The greatest of these is love. Will you pray with me? Father, God of love, you who call yourself love, the word of God says God is love. We want to ask you by the teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit, by the counseling of your Holy Spirit, will you open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to understand? Would you, O great lover of our souls, teach us about love? In Jesus' name, amen. This verse comes out of 1 Corinthians 13. Let's give a little context the chapter before the Apostle Paul, who had been converted from against Christ to for Christ by an experience he had with the love of all loves, Jesus himself. He was writing to the church in Corinth, and he was explaining that as we come to Christ, we get spiritual gifts. God puts in us his Holy Spirit, and this person becomes part of the body, and they do this function, and this person becomes this part of the body, and, and he goes into a little more detail, and he's encouraging all of us that we fit in somewhere, and, and it's not just that God loved us, but now he's going to put his love in us, and we're going to get to love each other and love the world, and we're going to get to imitate him, and he's, he's explaining the ministry of the body of Christ in chapter 12 of First Corinthians, and he, and he says, you know, some people are going to get this gift where they can speak in languages that they didn't know. And God's going to use that in their prayer life and other people's lives. He says there's going to be some other ones. They're just going to know things they couldn't have known unless God told them the spirit of prophecy or a word of knowledge. He said the Holy Spirit's going to give these gifts. He said there's going to be other people. They can just help you. They're just helpers. They're just always around help. It's, a, it's not just a nice person, but they've been equipped by the Holy Spirit. And he, he describes all these different ministries. And he says don't worry if you don't look like the other person. The body has many different parts, and we all fit together. But there's only one head. One spirit, one God, we're the body of that. It's not a bunch of bodies. It's not the walking dead, and there goes the arm, and here comes the leg. It's a body put together, and he said, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You do your part. Ask for all the gifts, seek them, but be, be, be diligent in what God's given you to do. And so he describes all these things as Christians would be doing for each other, with each other, and, and for the world. And then he gets to the last verse in that chapter, and he goes, but let me tell you now the most excellent way. As I've been describing these spiritual gifts and how we function as a body, let me tell you the most excellent way. And so we get some context for this idea of love. He says, if I speak in tongues of angels, if I have the gift of speaking all kinds of languages, which he's just talked about for a whole chapter, he said, but if I don't have love, I'm like a clanging cymbal. Or if you're from Texas, like a cowbell. Although I think cowbells have a lot of purpose, so it's even worse than that. It's just a noise. If I have the gift of prophecy, he's just talked about prophecy. Some people, the Holy Spirit's going to let them see things and know things and be able to proclaim the Word of God in certain ways. He says, if I can do all of that and know all the mysteries, if I have faith that can move mountains, oh, Lord, let's just have a pause for prayer. Lord, would you give us faith? I'm dead serious. That would move mountains that we could believe you. All right, please. If I had faith to move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. Can you believe that context? I could speak to a mountain, it could move, and the Lord goes, I am not pleased with your heart. You have power and no love behind it. He says, if I have all I possess and I give it to the poor, Jesus asked the guy that one time, and I give over my body even to hardship, 
Paul had been shipwrecked. He'd been beaten almost half to death. He'd been run out of cities. He'd been put in prison. He goes, if I do all of that, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. So in the context of these spiritual gifts, he's saying the most excellent way is that everything is covered by, done for, and through, and because of love. So he gives a context. I don't care what you do. He wasn't talking about how much money he had, how good your hair looked. Thank you. How your job was, how much you got it together. He was talking on a spiritual level. Your spiritual gifts, if they're not in love, nothing. The most excellent way is love. And then he defines love. Who's got a definition of love? I grew up in the 80s, 80s rock. That's why I have my hair like this now, because I used to tease it all out. That's not true. 80s. Who, who knows about the 80s? 1980s. The other dec- yeah, century. Somebody is laughing, going, I thought he meant the 1880s. He looks so old. 1980s, Pat Benatar, she had a song. She defined love. Love is a battlefield. Sorry. You know the song? Love is a battlefield. Def Leppard, love bites. Love bleeds. It wasn't new to music, defining love. Love is a mini-splendored thing. Shakespeare defines love. Poets define love. People that have a hard time with love define love. People that love is, goes way, great with, they define love. Listen, I like what Tony Evans said. Truth lives outside of us, and it teaches us. We don't teach it. So if we want a definition of love, we should go to the creator of love, the one who is love. And fortunately for us, God takes a lot of time in Scripture to define love. And here's one of the most concise, best definitions. There's more that he says in the Word of God, but here's a great passage. He doesn't say love is a battlefield. He says love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. When I, I am not patient. I am not kind. I looked at Trinity the other day. I go, what is wrong with me? I'm about to go crazy. She was so nice because she had just seen me lose it with her little sister and not have patience and not be kind. But at least I recognized it probably like six weeks late. Trinity, don't say anything right now. This be... I go, this is not described me. Maybe on a good day when I didn't come into contact with anybody and then nobody knows the trouble I'm in except inside my mind. But I go, wow, that's a definition of love. Not like the song, but like God says. You know what love is? It doesn't dishonor others. Wow. It doesn't dishonor others. You want a practical application? Just get off Facebook. (laughs) Unless you can post without dishonoring people. I love this post. This is going to make you mad. If you don't like me, unfriend me. But love does not dishonor others. I know the person that typed that too. They're just a bit like, it's been, it took them three months to just get that mad to finally do it. They've put it off and put it off. Man, this is such a definition in contrast of the culture that we live in, is it not? Oh, but let's blame it on the culture. No, the Bible specifically tells us there's no one who's good, no one who's righteous. Matt, your problem is your heart. But a Savior came whose name was love to change my heart and to change your heart. So there's hope. It's not self-seeking, not easily angered, doesn't keep any record of wrongs. Let's just switch. I'm just like, I just see a checklist in my head. Fail, 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 fail. No, we're not talking about me. We're talking about love. We're not talking about you. We're talking about love. Look at what love is. 
It's not going to dishonor me. It's not going to seek itself above me. It's not going to be easily angered with me. I give love a lot of reasons to get angry, but love's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil. It rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. In another version, it says, love endures all things. I was studying this week, and I thought of my friends April and Ray who lost their daughter to a year fight of DPIG brain cancer. And I was at the table, and I just saw them when I read, love endures all things. And I said, hey, I just appreciate you guys being a picture of love. You have endured this. And they responded, that verse has been on our wall, even in our daughter's room, given to her by her mother. And she said, and we prayed that we would have that kind of love. And God has given us a better relationship through all of this. And I said, Lord, your love. It endures all things. Anybody endured something in here? Have you endured something in here? Tell people. I see some people that have been through 22 years or something, 15 years or something, this many diagnoses, this many cancer treatments, this many something, and here we are. Love has pushed you through to endure. Love endures all things. He goes on to give some context. Love never fails. He says, where there are prophecies, they're going to cease. Where there are tongues, they're going to be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. Because right now we know in part. We prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, when the day of the Lord comes and his kingdom comes, all the parts disappear. So he's going back to those spiritual gifts and who we are as people. And he goes, love is the greater way, the most excellent way. He says, when I was a child, here's some context to love. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childhood things. Pray for your husband right now. All right. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am known fully and fully known. And Paul is saying there's a maturing process to this love. So that's great for me. When I'm not patient, I go, God's not finished with me. Love is working in me. I'm not patient right now. God, help me to be patient. There's a process, but we don't want to be thinking, well, I'm just like that, and so I'm not going to get better. Paul goes, I used to be a child, but now I'm putting those things away. I'm maturing in love. I'm thinking about love. I'm growing in love. Who wants to grow in love? Online right now, just put in a comment. Just put a bunch of red hearts and then my name. Now I'm just going to carry that in my pocket all week for all the people that don't want to show love. You want to grow in love? Just say, hey, Lord, today help me to put away childish things and help me to grow in love. Anybody married? Yeah, that's on your prayer list, isn't it? Oh, God, help me to love them. I always say, like you love them. Because I want to love better than I love. I want to love like this. And then it comes to the verse that we started with. There are three things that last. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So today we want to talk about love. The title for today, if we have one, he's doing good. It is not even 1130, and we're getting the title. Woo, somebody's praying, prayer warriors. I feel it. The title, love, the greatest of these. The greatest of these. They asked Jesus one time, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He started with love, the greatest. He goes, it's not only the greatest, it's the first commandment. And then he said, the second one's just like it. I love Jesus. He always gives more than you ask for. He gave them two. They asked for one, he gave them two. They weren't even his friends, but he treated them like friends. I'll tell you the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. 
He said all the commandments, everything God wants you to do hangs on just these two statements, to love God with all and to love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest of these is love. Song of Solomon says love is as strong as death. You know, we get this idea of love sometimes. Who's raising boys around here? I'm raising girls. It's love in my house. It's pink. It's slippers. It's Barbies. It's high heels. Who's raising boys? It's like guns, knives, trucks, dirt, ripped jeans. I'm not stereotyping boys and girls. I got some girls that will throw with you if you want to throw. You get this idea of love that it's kind of, you know, we see Jesus in the movie. He's British. British. And he's all, he's a suffering servant. And he is so kind that he comes down to our level to get us. But he's the king of angels' armies. In a minute, he's going to be on a white horse with a sword and blood on his rope and a name we can't even pronounce. Through him, the world was made. You know how close you can get to the sun? About this close. You'll burn up. He spoke the sun. God spoke and through Jesus made the sun. I mean, this is, love is not this little, oh, I love you. I like that part. Send me some flowers and some candy. Chocolate, not the one with that white stuff in it. I like those sentimental things. I like the intimacy part. I like those things about love, and that is part of it. Thank God he's a father who loves like a father. And not a general, but he's a general and a king. But I, I just want to tell you that Song of Solomon says love is as strong as death. It's as jealous as the grave. It's like fire, and many waters can't quench it. Love is powerful. It's strong. It's why they write songs, I'd walk through fire for you. Or whatever they say. They never do it. They write the song, make a lot of money, do something else. The greatest of these is love. Only three things today. We're going to be learning about love in a thousand years from now. Those of us who know the Lord and when we enter into his kingdom, we'll be at conferences where God is speaking about love, where Jesus is speaking about love. We'll be at a disciple, one of the 12 disciples will have a meeting and you might go to there. Or it might just be over at Miss Allie's house around her coffee table. And she's going to be teaching us about love. But we're going to be learning about love for the rest of forever. Because it's endless, God's love. I'm going to try to speak about it today, but I'm going to be speaking about it from Matt 2020. Matt 2030 would be a little bit broader message, hopefully. Matt 2040, more. Matt 2 billion and 6, man, he knows a lot more now. But it's endless. So have some patience with me while I try to tell you three things that I see about love. Number one, love repositions. Love repositions. The Bible says this about Jesus. He was in very nature God, but he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, and he became human. He was God, and he put on flesh. More than that, he found in the appearance as a man, humbled himself, and became obedient to death even death on a cross. Love repositions. Love moves things. Jesus was in heaven with God and repositioned himself to come for you. What a move. Anybody ever moved? Who likes moving? Nobody. Moving companies don't like moving. What a move. We'll never comprehend, I don't think, what it meant to come from heaven to earth for Jesus to come and get us. It repositioned him. I want you to think today while we're talking about love of the cross. There's a horizontal beam. That's what I'm talking about right now. God came down to us, the position. But there's also 
Is, which one? No, there's a vertical beam. <laughs> Who knew it? Whatever. There's a vertical beam. Jesus came down and repositioned himself to us, but then it always corresponds to the horizontal beam, how we relate to others. The first commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So this repositioning started with God. It started with him. He came to us. You're not earning your way to God. You're not being good enough. It's by grace that you've been saved. It's the mercy of God. We were all running away from him, and yet his love caught our eye. No one comes to the Father except that God calls them. It all starts with God. It started with Jesus. He came down. But that repositioning of Jesus, and look how low he went. He put on flesh. He was beaten. No place to lay his head, the Bible says. What a repositioning of love for us. And then, because we come to Christ, Paul says, so if you have any encouragement because Christ has come down and united himself to you, if there's any comfort in his love because you share in the same spirit, if you have any tenderness and compassion because of what God has done by repositioning himself to you, then make my joy complete and be like-minded with each other. Have the same kind of love. Be of one spirit, one mind. He says, as this vertical love comes down and gets you, let it go out to others by being not selfish, not vain. In humility, value others above yourself. Let me ask you this. Name humility in our culture. When did you last see it? You'll recognize it if you see it because it's rare. Humility, the humbling. Oh, I'll stop talking so you can finish. I totally disagree with you, but would you finish that statement? Because maybe I'm wrong. I'm not sure what you meant. Would you repeat that? The humility. You know what's humble? A mom at three in the morning when the baby's crying. You know some stories, don't you, moms? When you didn't sleep for like 20 years and they were still only three months old, but it's been 20 years since you slept. Mothers, fathers, caregivers, people that put their life on the line, they know something about humbling themselves. Paul says, this great love had repositioned itself and came down to us. Now let's take it and be united to God and reposition ourselves with other people. Let's come down and be humble. In a world that wants to go, you can't talk to me like that. Jesus bent down and said, talk to me. Love repositions. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, having loved his disciples, and having loved you and me, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already tempted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And he poured water into a basin. And he began to do the job that only the lowest servants did. And he washed their feet and dried them with a towel that was wrapped around him. You heard that before? The historical account of the night before Jesus died? We've heard it so often, some of us, it's like, yeah, that's the part there, and then he goes to the garden, and then Judas leaves, and then this, and this, is it. The king of kings knelt down to wash my feet. Chris Tonlin says, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon the cross. I'll also never understand what it meant that the king of glory, who is eternal, knelt down to wash people's feet. 
and I can't even give five minutes to this or that. Lord, change me, reposition me, that I'm not above people, but up under them. What can I do? It seems like the weakest, worst place to be. No, you better wash my feet, and I hope they stink today. That's an attitude, isn't it? You can't say that. You can't do that. You can't. You've been my friends for this long, but forget it. Now, this and that, and we're throwing people away. And Jesus goes, I will wash your feet to bring you into the position. I know where I'm going back. I have repositioned myself to position you. And that love that comes vertical, he doesn't come in like all these other kings. He comes in humble and meek and says, I will love you with my whole life, even to the point of death. Jesus said he would offer his body as a sacrifice for many. You think washing feet is low. Go get stripped naked and beat half to death and hung on a cross. And he's the king of all kings, and they're mocking him. He goes, I will reposition myself for love. It's worth it to me. You know what was worth it to him? He was loving the Father with his love. He was washing their feet first for the Father because God had been looking for someone to stand in the gap. God had been looking for a way to bring the lost to be found. And there was no one except Jesus. And Jesus said, for you, Father, I will go. And so Jesus loved vertically and repositioned himself. He loved the Father. But then it says, Jesus, for the joy set before him, not only the Father, but for you and for me and all that will believe on his name, he repositioned himself from the throne of glory to the cross of a thief. What a repositioning. I don't live any of my life like that. I live my life to get higher, to get up, to make more, to do more. The Lord comes and he says, I will go as low as I have to go. Even in the grave, he went down there and got the keys. Oh, and he came back with them. <laughs> and he holds them. The keys to everything. After that, he poured water and washed their feet. Later, he said, do you understand what I've done for you? What a question. Ask yourself that question all week today. Jesus, do I understand what you've done for me? Do I understand? Help me, Holy Spirit, to understand. Here's an application right there. You could just take that now, check out. Don't check out. It's going to get good. You could ask yourself, Lord, do I really understand what you've done for me? He said, you've called me teacher and Lord. That's right. You should. That's what I am. Now that I am your Lord, and now that I am your teacher, and now that I have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set an example for you to do as I have done. Very truly, I tell you, no servant's greater than his master. You're my people. You're not greater than me, Jesus is saying. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that I have shown you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Do you know any job in America where people wash people's feet? Maybe the pedicure, maybe. I'm thinking, is there another one? I think we need to apply this not in washing feet, but in serving people however we can serve and that no job is beneath us if it helps another person. If Jesus can bend down, surely I can bend down. If Jesus can choose to reposition himself low, humble, a bruised reed, he will not crush, the Bible says. Close to the brokenhearted, in the house eating with the sinner and the prostitute, close to the sick and the dying. If he can reposition himself, he says, if you are with me, then follow my example. Listen, it is okay to just be quiet. 
It's okay to not argue. It's okay to not prove your point. You might be right. Jesus was the most right. It's his righteousness that we have, and yet he chose to be considered a sinner and carry our sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He didn't sin, but he took on our sin. He traded places. So opposite of everything the world is trying to push me to do, to get over on somebody, to get above somebody, to step on, to get over there. Oh, and we name it. Well, I'm just trying to help my family. I'm just trying to do this. I'm, it's biblical. I got this Bible verse. Oh, look at the repositioning of Jesus. And then he says, reposition yourself with other people. He served God first and loved them by repositioning himself. And he served us and loved us by repositioning himself. Love repositions. Look for some areas in your life to reposition this week. Ask the Holy Spirit. Number two, love realigns. Love realigns. Anybody alignment off in your car? Alignments off in my car, I had to buy a new tire because the inside of this one was, was bald. I like bald, but not on my tires. When the alignment's off, the tires are trying to go different directions. There's three ways alignments can get off. You can hit something. That happens in our life, right? We get unaligned with God because we run into a problem. Hey, God, you still love me? That was kind of a big bump in my life. I'm a little uncertain. I'm a little out of line. You can get out of alignment because parts just wear out. The the alignment is, uh, uh, don't be thinking I know a lot about cars. I Googled it. It came as like the second thing that came up. It's easy. Alignment. Just Google it. But it's so, it's so important for my life. I can hit something, and I got to check my alignment. Am I right with you, Lord? My parts can wear out. I can just go through the routine of things so much and going through the motions that I just unknowingly get worn out by life, and I'm out of alignment. Or you can lift your truck up so high, it'll get out of alignment. I like that one, right? A lifted truck. I'm like, that's a good one. I thought, ooh, look at that, Matt. You can get so high that you're out of alignment. Oh, the Lord saved me, and he did a good job. Look what he made out of me. And we forget that we need him every hour. Every hour I need you. Oh, gracious Lord, stay thou nearby, the hymn writer said. He says it realigns us. Look at this verse. Paul writing to the church in Rome. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Three, three definitions of love right there. Kindness, tolerance, patience. Don't you see that God loves you? Doesn't it mean anything to you? Can't you see that he loves you and is kind to you in order to realign you or to lead you to repentance or to make you turn from your sin? God's love for us doesn't mean, man, God's so cool, I can do whatever I want, and he's just going to be like, I love you, boy, you're my boy, yeah. No, his love is there to go, man, if you love me this much, I need to turn around and love you back. His kindness, his love, love realigns. It, it, it causes us to repent. It's not like a ruler who comes in there like, you can bow down or I'll cut your head off. That's fear. That's pressure. God comes in and says, I'm going to love you so good you're going to want to love me. Or you can choose not to. There's a price for both of those. Jesus can pay the one or we can pay the other. But his kindness realigns us. His kindness gets us going back in the right direction. Do you ever feel like you're going in the wrong direction? You're headed one way, and then life interrupts you, and then you're headed the wrong way. You're like, man, I've been so good with the Lord, and then this COVID hit, and man, I'm just like, what's going on? The Lord says, hey, take that bump in the road and come in and get some alignment. You know what the car does on alignment? 
It says, ouch. Oh, you took my lug nuts off. Ah, that's the ball joint. Ah. They put it in a machine. They do all this stuff. It's not like all fun and stuff for the car. It's movement. It's working. It's grease. It's oil. It's pressure. It's this and that. Sometimes God's love aligns us, and it's called discipline. The Bible says, have you not forgotten these encouraging words? Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. He disciplines those he loves, and he punishes those who are his kids. It goes on to say, if he doesn't discipline you, you're not his kid. God might be working on you. He's working on me. I'm trying to pay attention. I want to get out of the alignment shop quick. We got done with this. He's like, "Uh uh-uh, the rear right wheel, buddy. I'm like, oh. Thank God I'm not an 18-wheeler. This is going to take a while. There's discipline that comes in our lives. Some of the stuff going on in our world is to sharpen us and purify us. Don't disprove of it. Don't run away from it. Say, God, whatever you're doing, do it good and do it twice and make it last. Put it on me. Your fire is an all-consuming fire. It's the discipline of the Lord. It says our, heaven, our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, and they did what they knew the best to do. Some of them got it right, some of them got it wrong, some of them got a lot right or a lot wrong. He said, but God's discipline is always good, that we might share in his holiness. It's not enjoyable while it's happening, it's painful. You're in the shop, they're working on you, but at the end you're going to reap a harvest, peaceful, of right living. Love realigns us. Love realigns us. Paul said this, He said, inside of me, I want to do good, and I end up doing bad. Y'all remember that in Romans? He said, then I I don't want to do bad, I end up doing that. I want to do good, I don't do that. He goes on and goes, I find this law at work in me. I want to do good, but evil's right there with me. My inner being loves God's law, but I'm doing the wrong thing. And then he goes on to say this, there's another law at work, raging war against me, making me a prisoner of the law of sin. And he goes, what a wretched man I am. Do you ever feel like that? How did I do that again? How am I acting like this again? Paul said, that's the law of sin and death trying to work in us while the law of God's righteousness is trying to work in us. And he says, thanks be to God who aligns me, who delivers me in Jesus Christ. Hey, just do like Paul. You're like, how did I do that again? Say, oh, I'm a mess. Thank God Jesus can align this mess. It's God that's going to fix us. I just want to take the pressure off of you. You won't fix yourself. You've been trying. Let God do it. Let him align you. Oh, thank God that he comes to deliver us and to save us. He delivers me. He aligns me. He brings me back. I was headed to death and he saves me. Thanks be to God for Jesus. There was no other hope except the God of hope sent his son. Number three, love restores. This is the last one. Love restores. You once were dead because of your disobedience, your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. You obeyed the devil. He's the commander of the power of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. He was the commander of our life before God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger and wrath, just like everyone. But God, who is rich in mercy and loved us, the repositioning love, the realigning love, now the restoring love, we were dead because of our sins, but he gave us life. He restored us because Christ 
was raised from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. He raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with heavenly, in heavenly realms with Christ because we are united with Christ. You remember the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve, no sin, they walk with God. But then sin comes in, breaks the relationship. Then Paul says, I can't even beat sin. I, I want to do good and I can't do good. And who can save me? And then Jesus comes and saves us. And then we get seated with God in heavenly place, back with God. We get restored to what we were made for. It's a great story. Only love can do it. Only love can restore us. Love restores. See how much the Father loves you? He calls you his children. We're not all God's children. We're all God's creation. But those of us who come into Christ become God's children. Adopted, the Bible says, out of that kingdom into his kingdom. We are all God's creation, and God's willing that no one perishes. He wants all to be saved, but not all get saved. He died for all, but you have to come to his cross and take it and trade places with him. Because Jesus said, I am the only way to the Father. He calls us his children. What kind of love is that? We were his enemies, and now we're his children. Love restores it goes on in Ephesians to say, if you've been restored, then restore other people. Don't divide yourself from other people if God has taken away the division between you and God. Can I show you an illustration for the application? It doesn't matter, right? Nobody said anything because like, he's going to do it anyway. I don't know what he's doing. All right, I'm going to bring this here. So what are the three things to, that we taught? It's not the only three things love does, but it's three things love does. It, re, it, it repositions us. It realigns us, and it restores us. So here's the application. You can look it up. It says perfect love drives out all fear. Your application is to let love replace everything else. Love drives out all fear. Perfect love drives out all fear. I'm going to tell you where it's at. It's uh, perfect love drives out all fear. First um, John 4, 17 and 18. Perfect love drives out fear. And then Romans 5, 5 says the love of God is poured into our heart. All right. So we were out of position. We were living way over here. And Jesus positioned himself in a way to bring us back to God. But then we also had sin in our life. I'm just going to use some dark liquid. It's sweet tea, and I really want to drink it, but just for the illustration. Our life was filled up with sin, that thing Paul talked about that we needed realigning. He said, I can't even do it. I can't even get this sin out of my life. And, and the application is like, that's all good, Matt, but how do I get to be different? The Bible says love drives out fear and everything else. And it says the love of God is poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit. Here's what a lot of people trying to follow the Lord do. They got a lot of mess in here, and this, this dark stuff gets poured into us every day. There's all kinds of things in our world trying to enter our eyes and ears and life and fill up our souls. And so we come to a little bit of God and a little bit of church and we get this pure love, but it goes in there like that and it's just a little bit diluted. But let me tell you, Romans 5.5, 5, everybody say that with me, Romans 5.5, 5, the love of the Father is poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what's going to happen. All right, hey, who's on the cleaning team? <laughs> I did it at home and just barely, that's why I had the bowl. The bowl's not in the thing, it's just to, Keep me from being in trouble with pastor or it's over because the carpet's wet. Love repositions us. We were outside of Christ. We come inside of Christ. 
It aligns us. It puts us under God and his word. We don't want to be in Christ outside of his word. We want to be in Christ. And then the love of the Father, y'all ready, is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And all the darkness flees and all the fear and love casts everything out. And instead of what was in us, now we're full of the love of God, the Holy Spirit. And he's a fountain that never ends. And what was dark inside of us becomes light, not because we got on some program or something else. We have got to get under the word of God, the spirit of God, spend time with God and let him pour his love into us. And when we're full of his love, there's not room for anything else, right? Amen. I'm thirsty. All right. Fernando, will you take this cup? Will you stand with me? I'm going to ask the team to come up. We're going to sing one chorus. And we're going to ask the Lord. You respond to the Lord how you need to today. You can ask him to reposition you. Maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're confused by all of it. You need to be repositioned in Christ, brought into his family, restored to him. Maybe you know the Lord and you're just out of alignment. Man, this world has enough potholes and stuff going on to get us out of alignment. I mean, I feel like I'm getting alignment about every three seconds. Maybe you need to come back into alignment today. Maybe you need to be restored to God, or maybe there's a broken relationship in your life. Because the Bible says if we think we got this vertical right and we're not doing the horizontal, we're liars. We can't love God who we haven't seen and say we don't love people who we see. Do you need to be repositioned? Do you need to be realigned? Do you need to be restored? And then today, make a commitment. God, I'm going to sit under your word and your Holy Spirit so that you can replace what's in me with what's in you. Let's respond to Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information about All Generations Church, go to aglockhart.org.